Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch rushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Is opening week a thing in baseball? If not, it is now. Welcome to opening week, and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, March 27th. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, prospects have made their opening day rosters. We have some confirmation. We'll break all those down. Injury updates, fab in-season strategy, and a new segment. Five mailbag questions in five minutes. See how it goes. If you're watching us on YouTube, please like this video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, make sure to download, follow, and leave a five-star review. We really appreciate it. Before we get started, just have to tell you about some of the fun shows we've got coming up this week. Monday night, it's a big night for us. For the People Listener League, live draft will happen on YouTube at 9 p.m. Eastern time. That is a 16-team head-to-head categories league. But before that, we'll actually have a bonus podcast. 7.45 p.m. Eastern time. So stacked Monday night. Be ready. We'll be joined by the Iron Man, Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, I think we'll ask him some stuff about the Orioles. We'll talk about the new rules and all that fun stuff. But... Definitely looking forward to that. It's going to be amazing. Chris, are you ready for Volpening Day? Yeah, baby. Anthony Volpe. Yeah. Excited. I, I, even <laughs> before the, the news, uh, on Friday, I, I wrote my spring uh, rankings, risers, and fallers, which is definitely different than spring winners and losers that Scott's <laughs> writing tomorrow. Totally different Uh Yeah, I think I wrote about 12. Um, Volpe was one of them. I had moved him into the top 150 in Roto Leagues. I think he was about 160th in head-to-head points. And I'm more or less inclined to leave him there, which probably means I'm not going to get any Anthony Volpe. Where did you move just, him? About 150. Him? Okay. Um, and... I'm inclined to leave him there, which probably means I'm not going to draft Anthony Volpe in the... I think I only have two drafts left uh, that I'm doing. 
One of them is a salary cap uh, auction league, so I might get him there, but I think there's a bunch of Yankees fans in that league, so probably not. <laughs> the, he's a very exciting player. He's one of those guys, like you look at the 50 steal uh, number that he posted last season, and you think like, man, this guy must be blazing fast. He must be Corbin Carroll, and he's not really. You know, you look at the scouting reports, and it's like he's like a 55-60 grade runner. He's just a really good base runner. Does that make you more or less likely to think that he's going to steal a bunch of bases? Well, I think I mean, it, he's five out of five. Yeah, he's five spring, for five so. in the spring. He sold 50 bases in the minors last season. Yeah. I think you can I, look I, at it I, two I, ways, right? Like, we talked about this all offseason. The guys that are fast could post even bigger steals numbers mm-hmm. this year. But I think there's something to be said for like base running wit. And if mm-hmm. you're just yeah. like a smart base runner, I think Volpe could take and huge advantage yeah, of these. Uh, honestly, I think the Yankees, like this was part of why they went and got Isaiah, Isaiah kind of for left last year. You know, they wanted a more athletic dynamic roster. And I think they're going to let Anthony Volpe run. The only thing for me that keeps him below like Jordan Walker and, and Corbin Carroll. One, I just think the tools aren't quite as impressive, at least based on the scouting reports. And also, he struggled his first like month at Double A. He wasn't super great uh, in like the month or so that he was at Triple A. So, I do think he might be one of those guys who needs a bit of time to adjust to a new level. Um, that's not a knock on him. He's a super talented player who has figured it out at every level. Uh, I guess not at Triple A, but he was only there for twenty something games or thirty games. But you know, I, yeah. I, I believe in him. Because one, he doesn't have like the super loud tools that Jordan Walker and Corbin Carroll do. And because he has had that adjustment period at every level, I'm a little lower on him than those guys. So you mentioned you moved him up to inside of your top 150 in Roto Leagues. There were 80 drafts done at the NFBC this weekend. Volpe's ADP was 150.96. So right around 150. The, The main event draft that I did on Saturday night, he went at pick 118. And then I had a head-to-head points home home league on Sunday. That's a keeper league, so I guess it's a little bit different. You keep you could keep a player for one round higher than the previous year. He went at 112 in that draft. So just to give you some perspective of where I saw him go this weekend, Scott, if anyone else is still drafting leading up to opening day, I think you're probably going to have to use a top 100 pick on Anthony Volpe at this point. Yeah, I, I ranked him as a top. Uh, I, I think he's technically a little outside of my top 100 by like five to 10 spots, but I've, I've tiered him in that very large shortstop tier that includes, uh, you know, Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, Carlos Correa, Willie Adamas. Volpe is now the last of that tier, which, uh, you know, be, because I try to draft toward the end of a tier, that means I'm more likely to get him. And, and that's great because I think, I think he is. I, I think he has a pretty high floor, as I said um, on Friday's show. I think he has a pr- for for being a 21 year old rookie. I think he has a pretty high floor because his plate discipline is so good. Because his he collects stolen bases at such volume, it's going to make it pretty hard. Even if he has some issues with batting average, you know, Chris pointed out. Uh, the slow start last year. And I think even with a very strong finish, he ended up hitting 250 right around. Yeah. 249. So, um, you know, even if there are issues with that and, and it was, it was a storyline you heard often, you know, whether it was at the time it was happening to Anthony Volpe, those early season struggles or after the fact, looking at some of the scouting reports, like it was just, it was freaking cold (laughs) where they were playing. 
<laughs> and uh, it, it was an issue actually for Oswald Peraza too. Uh, they both got off to dreadful starts, and so their season-long batting average suffered because of it. It could be cold in New York in April, certainly, or it could not. And it was uh, lovely today. And hopefully it doesn't impact Volpe much and he just hits the ground running and is even better than how I rank him. But yeah, what was it I was saying Friday? He can't keep getting away with it! <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. He's he, I, I can't drop Volpe outside of the top 200 anymore, clearly. And it's a shame. But maybe outside of the top 100. I've got my weather app open and the weather in New York on Thursday opening day will be a high of 48 degrees. I think mm. that qualifies as a pretty cold Blust, blustery for uh, for Anthony Volpe. Scott, we were talking beforehand. We were you know going through some of our uh, our fab bids here from Sunday night. You mentioned someone dropped Oswald Peraza in one of your leagues. He was sent down to AAA, which look, I feel for the guy. Clearly, it was an open competition between him and Anthony Volpe. I think long-term, he still has a ton of value for fantasy, but should people drop Oswald Peraza in redraft leagues where they drafted him? I mean, it's probably similar to Vaughn Grissom, that situation. There isn't as clear of an in, I guess, for Oswald Peraza because you know how long are the Braves going to stick with Orlando R.C. as their shortstop? But certainly the Yankees have a lot of aging infielders, and then it... It wouldn't be that surprising if Oswald Peraza is up within the first six weeks of the season, I would say. I don't think it's a must to hold on to him, particularly if you're talking a 12-team context. This was a 15-team Roto League where I was pointing out he was dropped. Yeah. And even then, given the con- – it's, it's one of those, you know, it's one of those NFBC leagues where you don't have IL spots, so vi- bench space is very precious. So in, in that context, I think it made sense to drop Peraza probably in a 15-team league. But ideally, you'd hold on to him mm-hmm. if – if you are playing in something that deep. We've hinted around on this podcast too that the Yankees could make a trade at some point. I mean, it seems like a pretty clear, you know, match between them and the Pirates if they want to go after Brian Reynolds. But as we'll talk about later on, even more injuries to their rotation, maybe they need to go out and trade for a pitcher. And maybe it involves Glaber Torres or something like that. So uh, there are many... There are different paths to Oswald Peraza earning playing time, either with the Yankees or with another team. Jordan Walker has made the Cardinals opening day roster, as we expected for uh, most of the spring uh, when he got off to a really hot start. Uh, Alec Burleson also made the Cardinals opening day roster. Dylan Carlson is likely to begin the season working as a utility outfielder and a bench piece. Juan Yepes was option to AAA. This weekend, Jordan Walker's ADP was 122.5, which... That's maybe a tad higher than where we've been seeing him go. But Chris, this was basically expected at this point uh, for anyone still drafting moving forward. Are you okay around 120 for Jordan Walker? Yes, but you're not going to get him there. <laughs> I mean, like I'm shocked that it was that cheap in, in NFBC drafts this weekend because feels like every draft we've done over the last two weeks, he's gone a lot higher than 122nd. He's He's been right around 100 in most of ours. And I, I think he went like... Yeah. You know, like the fifth or sixth round in the podcast points league that we did. Um, I moved him up to 84th points in Roto, 84th now. Okay. Put him in that same tier, uh, Jordan Walker with uh, with Gunnar Henderson. He, like, like I, honestly, as little as we saw of Gunnar Henderson last year, Similar I don't profile. know that Jordan Walker shouldn't be picked before Gunnar Henderson. I, I went ahead and kept him behind, but hmm. um, I, I, it should be a pretty close call. 
right? So, Scott, you're taking Jordan Walker over Volpe, right? Yes. I'm about 20 spots ahead of Volpe. Okay. And, I mean, part of that is favorable eligibility. Yeah, third uh, base. Starting out. And he's going to earn outfield. Jordan Walker is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think Gunnar Henderson should still go ahead of Jordan Walker. Like, just looking at the numbers, okay. Henderson got to AAA. He had, I think, the exact same number of strikeouts or home runs and and stolen bases, nineteen and twenty-two, if I if I remember correctly. That was also Walker's. But Henderson did it at you know got to AAA, played well at AAA, um, eight ninety-four OPS there. He's only he was only twenty-one last season. Then he got to the, to the majors and looked really solid. Showed high end uh, physical tools as well. Maybe not. As I mean, eye popping as Jordan, you don't Walker's. have to make the case that Gunnar Henderson is a great prospect. We all know. Well, that. no, I'm but just, like, I'm just saying, like Henderson has already gotten through both the AAA and major league filter and held his own. It's possible Jordan Walker's just a more skilled player, and that yeah. that can overcome that. Like, but the, the, I, the, I the think premium Gunner exit Henderson, velocities, the louder tools, like that's. But I w- without without having like big strikeout issues in the minors. Walker. Right. The the point I'm I'm trying to make though is. Gunnar Henderson also has pretty loud tools himself. You know, it might sure. not be Jordan Walker, but like Max exit velo 111 miles per hour, exit average exit velo 92 miles per hour last season. That's really, uh, really good. <laughs> 91st percentile sprint speed. Like he might only be, you know, a B plus as in terms of raw power and, and athleticism and Jordan Walker might be an A in both. Mm-hmm. But, the fact that Gunnar Henderson has already made it through both the AAA and major league filters while looking like more than holding his own at both spots, I would say as a 21 year old, I, I would, I think he, he still should be ahead of Jordan Walker. Although I think there are probably people who would agree with you. And, and I think that's, there's a oh, no, little I, bit. I, I said, I kept him ahead. I said, I yeah, kept yeah. Gunnar Henderson ahead of Walker in the rankings, but I, but I, yeah. I, I think it's, I think you could make the argument. There, there's a little bit of a mystery boat box, whatever mystery box versus a boat there. And even though Gunnar Henderson is himself a mystery box, we we saw him at the major league level and he was really good, but he didn't look like an immediate superstar and he didn't have a great spring. So I, I think there's probably a little like Gunnar Henderson could be good. Jordan Walker could be him. And it's like, I agree with that. Jordan Walker, like there's a lot of variance in both of their profiles. And if Jordan Walker ends up being better, it wouldn't surprise me. But I do think uh, keeping Henderson ahead is the is the right call. I guess what I'm reacting to is that they're 50 spots apart in ADP, even with the announcement walkers on the roster. You're saying, Frank, like that doesn't make sense to me. And that's not how I rank them. I rank them like a round apart, basically. Well, it's worth mentioning that the ADP for this weekend that includes drafts from Friday and Saturday, and I guess that okay. news came out. I didn't on, know you were including that. Yeah, yeah. That, that news came out on Sunday. It kind of seemed like a foregone conclusion that Walker was going to make the team. One thing I would point out with Walker versus Gunnar Henderson, I do think there is more downside in terms of playing time risk for Jordan Walker, where if he gets yeah. off to the slow start, obviously there are suitable options in the in the Cardinals organization to come in and take playing time away from him. So just today on NFBC, Jordan Walker, 104th, 104. That probably makes more sense. So I I am 20 spots higher, but that's better. Uh, Oscar Colas, sounds like he has made the White Sox opening day roster as well. The ADP for him this weekend, 257.8. Not the same level of prospect as an Anthony Volpe or Jordan Walker. Different skill set, too. He's not going to run. Maybe he'll chip in like 
five st steals, something like that, but more so for batting average and power, Oscar Colas. This spring, he hit 270 with three home runs, one steal, just a 14% strikeout rate. Uh, Scott, I don't know if you moved Oscar Colas up at all now that we know he will be with the White Sox. I feel like we were kind of operating under that assumption anyway, though. Yeah, I I had, hadn't doubted that in a long time, um, but I probably just need to move him up anyway because I keep missing out on him. Uh, I got him in my I, 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 I got him in my home league on Sunday, Scott. There you go. I, I haven't gotten Oscar Colas in a draft that actually matters. So I probably have him lower than my actual feelings about him than he should be. So uh, yeah. probably needs to go. Let's see. I have Riley Green up bit higher in him in the outfield and I think I'd like them back to back so that would put Oscar Colas um, probably around 40th for me in the outfield okay and that would be inside of your top 200 correct or around 200 I believe so just looking I'd up. have to double check. Yeah, you have Riley Green at 205. So closer to 200. So about 50 spots higher than what Oscar Colossus' ADP was this weekend. Hayden Wesneski officially won a spot in the Cubs rotation. Well-deserved. Awesome spring for him. 2.12 ERA, 1-1-2 whip. 22 strikeouts, over 17 innings pitched. The ADP this weekend for Wesneski, 247.8. Chris, for people still drafting, would you rather have Hayden Wesneski or Clark Schmidt with the Yankees? Someone who has been a big riser this spring as well. I would go with Wesneski, who touched 97 in his most recent spring outing. And there was a quote from him where he basically said, like, he, he basically implied that he's hit 99 this spring, which this is a guy who maxed out at 95.9 miles per hour last season. So, you know, the fact that he looked pretty good last season, the, the sweeper especially, was a, a legitimate out pitch for him. And then appears to have added a mile per hour or two even to his fastball velocity. Uh, I think Hayden Winsneski is a very interesting player, and he's, he's one of my spring risers for sure. Ryan Pepio will be the Dodgers' fifth starter while Tony Gonsolin is on the IL. Still kind of up in the air in terms of the, the timeline, but maybe Gonsolin's back by like the end of April, early May, so not sure it's going to be that long for Ryan Pepio. Of course, other things can happen in the meantime. Scott, what level or size leagues should Ryan Pepio be rostered in heading into opening day? I think he's outside of the 12 team range, not by much. And, you know, if he goes out and strikes out a bunch of guys in his first start, uh, he might, he might become a top priority off the waiver wire, even with, the expectation that he doesn't have the job for long but you know if you're if you're talking like a 15 team context or something deeper then pepio might be worth picking up he does have big strikeout upside it's mm -hmm. been control that's held him back in the past and we saw it in the nine appearances he made last season uh 10.4k per nine 6.7 walks per nine apparently he cleaned up his delivery Improved his release point this spring. That was part of the narrative surrounding Pepio. And, you know, the Dodgers are good at at uh, helping pitchers maximize their potential. So, um, certainly possible that Pepio's made strides that would make him more of a fantasy asset. And that's what we're going to be watching 
when he does take the mound, he did issue five walks in 13 and two-thirds innings as a spring. So not bad, not great, but not bad. I think he allowed 14 hits, though, so the whip was pretty high this spring. The control has been an issue in the past for Ryan Pepio, but there is big swing and miss potential there with him. Both Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos did not make the Mets opening day roster. Scott, you were right. The Welch and I were wrong on Brett Beatty. Uh, there was a report that Eduardo Escobar could be on a short leash, though. Uh, are you looking to stash Brett Beatty in the meantime? Ideally. I mean, if he plays third base. He has a lot of upside. He yeah. isn't blocked that decisively. So, uh, who, who is it we were talking about stashing before? Oswald Peraza? Yeah, I, I think Beatty's a higher priority stash than Peraza. Or I agree with that. Grissom. Um, yeah, I, I think he's worth stashing in most leagues of 350 plus players rostered, let's say. Yeah, I think there's an either, easier path there. It's if Eduardo Escobar struggles, if Dan Vogelbach struggles, they can slide Escobar over to DH and they could bring Beatty up or uh, Beatty could just take Escobar's spot. So, yeah, I, I see more paths there for him. Orioles pitching prospect D.L. Hall was optioned to AAA so he can continue to build up as a starter. Chris, Deal Hall's probably not someone we're stashing at this point, right? No, I don't think so. It would have to be a pretty deep league. Reds prospects Ellie De La Cruz and Christian Encarnacion Strand will both begin the minor league season on the IL. DLC, Brian De La Cruz, uh, Brian De La Cruz, <laughs> Ellie De La Cruz, excuse me, uh, has a hamstring strain and Encarnacion Strand has a herniated disc in his back. Scott, are you stashing either That's- of these? Well, I did have Encarnacion Strand among my 12 prospects to stash. I think he was fifth or sixth on that list. And unfortunately, this news of his injury is coming amid reports that Joey Votto may not be ready for opening day after all. So Encarnacion Strand might have had a second path to that job, but now yep. I, I don't think he's supposed to start playing in games until late April. So that that make, that make that alone makes him pretty hard to stash unless mm-hmm. you're talking about an NL-only league. Still excited about the power, the fact he has third base eligibility, but you can't roster everybody. Yeah, I have Encarnacion Tran in NL only labor, and I'm holding him. There's a there's a waiver running on Sunday night here, and I I chose to hold on to him for now. Uh, Last one that's up in the air right now is this Brewers outfield situation: Joey Weimer and Sal Freelich. Both Tyler Naquin and Kesson Hira will not make the Brewers. Apparently, they're looking for a trade for Kesson Hira somewhere that he can play, which is like kind of mildly interesting in the deepest of leagues. So, I don't know. Let's see where he winds up. But uh, Joey Weimer has power and speed. Sal Freelich, kind of a uh, juiced-up Stephen Kwan, I guess we could say. Scott, are you adding or stashing either one of these, Joey Weimer or Sal Freelich? Well, I've been in, in any five outfielder league basically drafting Sal Freelick, and he was number one on that list of 12 prospects to stash at the start of the year, obviously with the presumption he wouldn't make the roster. So you know, three outfielder leagues is probably too shallow to stash somebody like Freelick. But five outfielder leagues, I, I would guess he's stashed in the majority already, and if he isn't stashed in yours, he should be. Uh, Weimer was not... On that level for me, uh, I, I thought he still had a ways to go developmentally, and I thought Sal Freelich was clearly ahead of him in the pecking order. But now I have doubts because uh, at one point Freelich was optioned this spring, right? And I think yeah. he's technically optioned right now, and, and Weimer hasn't been. Weimer stuck around the whole time. Mm-hmm. When, when Freelich got optioned, it was before the news of them uh, passing on Tyler Naquin, letting him go. 
So it didn't seem like there was a path for either, but now there's a path for probably one or the other. And since Weimer's been there the whole time, I, I know uh, one of the Brewers beat writers was, it, it, it seems like those on the Brewers beat in general, the feeling is that Weimer yeah. is the more likely of the two to claim that right field job. So yeah, in those same five outfielder leagues where I thought Freelich should already be stashed, Weimer was the top waiver right wire target for me or has been in these initial runs of uh of waivers of fab whatever you want to call it and uh, he's uh, he's of course an interesting prospect in his own right not nearly the floor of south freelick a much more volatile prospect is joey weimer but a lot more upside tons of athleticism um <laughs> 21 homers and 31 steals between double and triple A last year. The year before, 27 homers and 30 steals. Draws a good number of walks for a guy who you you think of as, as having that volatile profile. And um, strikeouts could be an issue. Batting average could be an issue because of it. But if, if he delivers on that power-speed combo and is playing every day for the Brewers and five outfielder leagues, Joey Weimer could quickly become a force to be reckoned with. And I was reading an article from Adam McAlvey, who covers the Brewers for MLB.com, and he also leaned with Weimer because of being a right-handed bat in the outfield. So they already have Garrett Mitchell in center, they have Christian Yelich in left field, they have Jesse Winker, who's like their DH slash could play corner outfield as well. So he speculated that they want another right-handed bat in that lineup and in the outfield, and that's why... They were, uh, he was leaning with Weimer. We'll see if that's actually what happens with the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's take our first break here, and when we get back, we'll get into some other news and notes from the weekend here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Fantasy Baseball Today is a finalist in the baseball category for the Sports Podcast Awards. We're going up against some big names, and it is a voting system, which means we need your help. 
you can scan the QR code in the top right corner if you're watching on video or find the link in the podcast or YouTube description. You'll need to quickly create an account on their website and then vote for FBT. Voting ends April 6th. Let's get into some news and notes from the weekend. It turns out Joe Musgrove will begin the season on the IL, but is targeting a return April 11th against the Mets or April 16th against the Brewers. So he'll miss the first two to three starts of the season. That is Joe Musgrove. Luis Severino will open the season on the IL. Ugh, bad news. With a low-grade lat strain, he said he'll resume throwing and could miss as few as three to four starts. Not buying it. It sounds like a (laughs) gentleman named Johnny Brito, or Yanni Brito, will join the rotation. Uh, Severino went on the 60-day IL last year with that same strained lat muscle. He's dealt with right shoulder injuries, all kinds of injuries to his right arm and entering a contract year. It's it's kind of a disaster. Chris, uh, how far do you... see dropping Luis Severino in your starting pitcher ranks? So he missed two months with a lat strain last year. I believe it was a grade two strain. So the Yankees were really cautious, though. Apparently he was ready to return and they were just like, nope, we're putting you on the 60 day IL. We're not even giving you this opportunity. And then, yeah, he came back in September. I'm not moving him down too much in my pitcher rankings. But part of that is just that there is a pretty big teardrop in the overall ranks. So I've got I had him in like the mid thirties, right around Blake Snell and Kyle Wright around 120th overall. I'm going to drop him to around 150th overall, but that's only like five spots in the pitcher ranking. So he he'll be around 40 ish for me. I think Um, there's still some upside there, obviously, but I I'm very, very worried about the, uh, the ability to stay healthy. I moved him down a lot more than that. I moved him down to 50th in my starting pitcher rankings, which is between Reed Detmers and Grayson Rodriguez. And I mean, you look just above Severino, and I know all of our rankings are a little differently, but are a little different. But Lucas Giolito, Pablo Lopez, Chris Bassett. Actually, you know what? Joe, yeah, Joe I'm Ryan. gonna I'm gonna move him work because I I would rather have Reed Detmers. Than Luis Severino right. at this that's, point, so yeah, that's I, what I decided upon. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm with you there, Scott. You have and, Severino and Glass now back to back. I could see yeah. Severino's timeline being kind of similar to Glass now. Maybe Glass now has a little bit more upside, but I, I think that's probably a fair ranking. Yeah, I actually moved Glass when I when I saw how far I was moving Severino down, and I'm like, well, I need to take Glass now with them because <laughs> yeah, I thought the timeline was similar. And and uh, on the subject of Reed Demers, this is kind of a aside. Um, I'm taking it a few degrees aside here because I'm, I'm going to talk about Tyler Anderson for a second. I was thinking as I was putting in some of my initial waiver claims, uh, and it, you know it's always a challenge to figure out who you want to drop. And in a shallower league, I was thinking it's, it was a shallower head-to-head points league. I was like, should I drop Tyler Anderson to clear a spot for somebody on the waivers who I'm excited about? <gasps> Because it's a head-to-head league, and if, if he's never going to make two starts because it's a six-man rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was reading something early this spring that talked me out of it, where basically, if they have an off day, the angel they're, they're going to treat their sixth guy more like a swingman. And if they have an off day during the week, uh, basically everybody's going to start sixth every sixth day, but not every sixth turn. So there will be op- two start opportunities for the top five, which I presume would include Otani. But yeah. yeah, I mean, that was how they started using Otani last year. Uh, he, I think he ended up having 
like one or two two star weeks at the end of last season. But that you know helps helps Tyler Anderson's status and Patrick Sandoval and to get back to where I started, Reed Detmers. So that's yeah. I think less incentive to stay away from them in points leagues if you had been inclined to do so. I'm wondering who that swingman will be. I think Tucker Davidson <sighs> is in the driver's seat for that because he's out of options and he's had he's yeah. looked okay this spring. Yeah, he has. I drafted uh, Griffin Canning in a score sheet league <laughs> super late, so I'm kind of hoping it was going to be Griffin Canning. He's had a good spring. He's he's coming he back has. from uh, from a, from a ton of injuries as well. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Brito, by the way, the the person who could be filling in in the Yankees rotation in the meantime, last year in the minors, two nine six ERA, one one five WHIP, ninety one strikeouts in hundred twelve and two thirds. Does not get a lot of K's. Does get a lot of ground balls. So AL only. I mean, you know, the deepest of leagues. There's a name for you, uh, Johnny Brito. Carlos Rodon will be about a month away from joining the Yankees once he throws live batting practice. That comes per Jack Curry of the Yes Network. Based on my calculations of his throwing schedule thus far, it sounds like he's going to throw a few more times, uh, Mm -hmm. a few more bullpens, and then he'll get into live batting practice. They said maybe that can happen sometime this week. And then he's a month away. That means he's probably like May 1st is probably the target date Mm -hmm. for Carlos Rodon. If that, are you guys planning to move Carlos Rodon out down at all? I took him at 94th overall in my NFBC main event this weekend. And in hindsight, it might've been a little bit aggressive on Carlos Rodon on a, you know, on a, in a league with no IL spots, but was looking for the upside there. Uh, Chris, do you plan to drop Carlos Rodon at all in the ranks? Not really. You know, I think this was more or less what we were expecting as as like like when he initially got hurt, I think uh, I think the the quote was like the best case scenario would be sometime in April. Yeah. So my assumption was more like May. Now, we had been a little more encouraged by the last few reports. So, you know, it's a little discouraging, but I guess the biggest thing at this point is it sounds like he's pain free and it's just about building back up. So. You know, I think late April, early May is probably the the right timetable. I took Carlos Rodon ahead of... These are the next pitchers that went right after him. Blake Snell, Nestor Cortez, Tristan McKenzie before he left with injury, Jeffrey Springs, Lance Lynn. Scott, would you have done the same? Rodon over Snell, well, Cortez, Well, I, I think I missed Springs. this update on Rodon, so I hadn't moved him down mm-hmm. yet or weighed the possibility. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. So when... You, I think a critical point in the starting pitcher rankings when you're talking about a guy who's injured is Clayton Kershaw because, of course, we expect him to be injured for a third of the season at least. We don't yeah. know when it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But at some point, you're you're drafting him with the expectation he misses about a third of the season. So, so I have Rodon 25th. I have Clayton Kershaw 34th. You said Lance Lynn went ahead of uh, went, Carlos Rodon? He went just after just after. So I have Lance Lynn 33rd, just ahead of Kershaw. And then that's, that might be where I slot Rodon. That would put him behind Joe Musgrove, who's on a quicker timetable. I mean, Rodon, we think is better. Of course. Start yep. for start, inning for inning. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that a little more since I'm just now considering it. Okay. Kyle Wright is expected to be placed on the 15 day IL retroactive to March 27th, but is only expected to miss two turns in the rotation. He had a late start to spring with shoulder soreness and needs more time to build up. Both Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd will start the year in the Braves rotation. Scott, I saw in some deeper leagues, Dylan Dodd was being added on Sunday night. What do you, how do you think this plays out? Because 
I thought about adding Dodd as well in these deeper leagues because who's to say maybe, maybe Schuster has a rough couple of starts. If Dylan Dodd looks good, maybe when Kyle Wright rejoins the team, it's Dylan Dodd who stays in the rotation and then Schuster gets sent down. So I can see it going yeah, either I mean, way. Basically, the competition continues. Right. And the, the starts are going to be more meaningful for both Schuster and Dodd. I think the fact Schuster starting game three of the season indicates that he's going in with the advantage but it could certainly change with the two or three starts. Is it two starts Wright's expected to miss or three or two or three? Two. It's not, two, two turns in the rotation. Two turns because I moved him down a bit as well uh, with, with the news that, you know, he's beginning the year on the IL. Uh, I moved him a little. I moved him behind Charlie Mornick, actually, which also means behind Jesus Lazardo, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, behind that group, that group of high upside pitchers who are going to be healthy to start the year. And we have questions about Kyle Wright's ability to repeat last year's numbers anyway. So he's now 42nd in my pitcher rankings. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to add Dylan Dodd as long as it's a low investment because it's very likely a short-term stay. But it is possible that it becomes more. Tristan McKenzie was removed from Sunday start due to right arm tightness. Everything says that it was precautionary, but... I mean, look, anytime we see an arm injury to someone like Tristan McKenzie, he you know doesn't have the, uh, the thickest frame or anything. He's you know dealt with a bunch of injuries in the past as well. Uh, Chris, how are you handling this Tristan McKenzie injury? I moved him down a little bit. Not too much. It was, I think, two or three spots in the, the pitcher rankings, but enough that uh, you know it, it marks my concern. My concern is noted in the rankings now. And I, I think I'm a little more concerned about McKenzie than most. I, I, he, he feels a little like Jose Barrios E to me where there's this, I think thought that he might have like ace upside left. I think he's probably more like a very safe uh, pitcher who probably maybe doesn't have the upside, especially with regards to strikeouts. And so I, I, yeah, he's 32. I, I could see moving him down a couple more spots, but I haven't done that yet. Wander Franco had an MRI on his sore right quad, and manager Kevin Cash said the results were favorable. He still has a chance to be ready for opening day, but this is the same quad that Wander Franco had issues with last year. Scott, you're on the clock right now. Are you taking Wander Franco or Anthony Volpe? I'm taking Franco. Okay. He's like I said, Volpe. I moved to the very end of that large tier. That also includes Franco. I mean, it it wouldn't be the shock of the century if Volpe had a better season, especially if Franco misses some time. But I'm going to give Franco and what we've seen of him already against major league pitchers. I'm going to give him the advantage there. Tyler. I might I might just pass up Franco and give Volpe later. You know, that's basically what I'd been doing already, yeah. passing up Franco to get Carlos Correa or Willie Adamas. And now Volpe's a part of the end of that tier too, for me anyway. So I'm, that that might be more realistically what I do. Tyler Glass now threw on flat ground from 75 feet Sunday, and he's expected to return in early May if he does not suffer any setbacks. Kenley Jansen expects to pitch Monday after leaving Friday's appearance with lightheadedness and Dizzy spells. Say Suzuki took batting practice Saturday and looked good, though he's still expected to begin the season on the IL with that oblique strain. Speaking of obliques, Mitch Hanniger will open the season with on the IL with a grade one oblique strain. 
We know the Giants like to mix things up, but roster resource has Michael Conforto, Jock Peterson, and Mike Yastrzemski in the outfield with Blake Sable at DH. Sable's an interesting name, too. I know you picked him up, Scott, in a 15-team, two-catcher league. And I think anywhere where you start two catchers, Blake Sable's probably in the mix as like a low-end you know, catcher, too, in, in one of those leagues. Yeah, I have him higher than you probably think in my catcher rankings because he's ahead of Logan O'Hoppy now, who might not make the roster. I'm 17th, Blake Sable, just after Danny Jansen in my catcher rankings. Um, just the way the Giants coaching staff and front office has raved about him this spring, showing good plate discipline. They've, they've talked about his speed, how he brings the speed element, and he did steal. He has stolen two or three bases this spring. Left-handed hitter, which helps get him in the lineup. Uh, capable of playing the outfield. I, I think Blake Sable's going to get enough at-bats, even if he's the backup catcher to Joey Bart, to be a relevant fantasy catcher this year. Brendan Rodgers was placed on the 60-day IL with that left shoulder injury, as expected. And speaking of the Rockies, Mike Moustak has made their opening day roster. Also, L.A. Harris Montero, had an awesome spring. He went 19 for 57 with five home runs, just a 17.4% strikeout rate. And he was named like the MVP of the Rocky spring training for whatever that's worth. Uh, Scott, I know that you just added Montero in the great fantasy baseball invitation. I, ever, I added everybody in PGFBI. <laughs> I added everybody. I, I have half my, I have half my free agent budget left for the year. Uh Oh, <laughs> Uh Oh yeah. And well, you know, I spent $133,000 budget. I spent $133 on three players. One was Joey Weimer, who we already talked about. One was Jerickson Profar, who had no business being out there, obviously, was a late signing. And one was Elahiris Montero, who, as you pointed out, Frank had, has had a huge spring 327 batting average, four homers. Uh, this was after last year at AAA hitting 310 with 15 homers in just 65 games. So, I, I mean, he has a track record of success with the bat. It's apparently not much to speak about with the glove. And with Mike Moustakis there, he, you know, he came in and had a good spring himself, Talk about talked about some adjustments he made in the offseason, and uh, is the veteran who could push Elahiris Montero if Montero struggles, whether it's offensively or defensively. And I don't think it's going to be a situation where Montero plays every single day. I imagine Moustakis will steal some starts around the entire infield. But if, if it is, you know, deeper Roto League like TGFBI is 15 teams, um, even if it's a 12-teamer, I mean, I think, I think Montero's deserving of a roster spot at this point as a, as a guy at the weakest position, third base, who's now going to be a starter in Colorado and has a history of performing well at the plate. But you know, I guess it, we don't need to overcomplicate it. It is worth noting. We did see him in the majors last year and it was yeah. pretty underwhelming. And the yeah. underlying metrics were pretty bad. Uh, he actually outperformed his uh, expected stats, which you would expect with course field, but you can't even like, you know, make the pre-injury Brandon Rogers case where like, Oh, he hasn't really gotten the, the course field bump yet. Montero did, you know, he had a 318 Babbitt last year. His expected Wobo was 260. Um, so I, 
I I would leave him more for 15 teamers, but I, I get it. You know, he he's had a couple of good seasons in the minors. He's not that old, and obviously course field helps, but you know, yeah. definitely a a bench rounds kind of guy. It's a situation where like we were begging for any any signs of life at third base, and and now we have one kind of out of nowhere. Uh, and, and the Rockies in particular. I mean, maybe we maybe we don't have a lot of confidence in the Rockies' judgment in general, but that they brought in the the retread in Mike Moustakis and that Mont- Montero has this clear defensive issue and yet they're still going with Montero, even with their history of bringing in retreads and starting them over exciting prospects. Like that's, I, I think that that speaks to a level of enthusiasm for Montero that goes beyond just, well, he put up good numbers this spring. Jerickson Profar is still awaiting his visa, but is hopeful he could join uh, Rockies camp early this week. Ranger Suarez will start on the IL after suffering a setback with his left forearm. Matt Strom will be the Phillies' fifth starter and only should be considered in like NL only. Obviously, some very, very deep formats there. Angels manager Phil Nevin said that the first save opportunity will depend on, quote, what the game dictates. Not exactly sure what that means, but... Doesn't sound like a vote of confidence for Carlos Estevez either, a name that, you know, a person who was actually named in the past as, you know, being a possibility for saves. Now they're just like noncommittal. So I don't know. You know, I don't know if if they've announced that Ben Joyce made the roster or not. He was reassigned to minor league camp. I'm going to go ahead and just plant a flag that Ben Joyce leads the Angels in saves. I think everyone else in that bullpen is so underwhelming. That that that's just going to be my flag plant. That Early he's going to get the opportunity. Sneak preview for our bold predictions episode right there. Ah. Yeah, it's like uh, your Marlins call a couple years back. I can't remember who it was. Some reliever they traded for, and he said he wouldn't even get five saves. I think he got one before they uh, pulled him out of the role. Yeah, I'm trying to remember who that might have been, but. It was Anthony Bass. It was the, yeah, Anthony Bass. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, that So I found that two years in a row with a reliever then because I I did that with Jake McGee last year too. There you go. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's, uh, going to be my Yeah, that's my my flag plant for the Angels is that everyone else is going to be so underwhelming that Ben Joyce is going to end up being the guy. I got it, Scott. Carlos Estevez doesn't get five saves with the well, angels this season. That's almost too easy. Cause like <laughs> <Right>. nobody, nobody <laughs> believes in Carlos. Estevez. Right. Aaron Boone said that DJ LeMahieu will be the Yankees opening day leadoff hitter. So even with Volpe making the team, he's probably going to bat lower in the lineup to start. Ryan Nelson was named the D backs fifth starter with Dre Jameson in the bullpen. Scott, any interest in Ryan Nelson? Sure. Uh, I can, in my 12 team leagues, I could probably come up with, half a dozen pitchers at least in each that I'd rather have than Ryan Nelson. <laughs> so maybe the answer should be no. Yeah. But look, he's, he's a prospect. He looked good in a few starts last year. And, um, you know, uh, obviously things are going to look very different in that range of starting pitchers at the end of April than they do here at the end of March. So somebody to keep an eye on, if nothing else. Yeah, I, I would say the leagues where I have Dre Jameson, I'm trying not to drop him because they're they are planning on using him as like kind of a swing man. Uh, and keep him stretched out in the bullpen. So I, I think he'll get a chance at some point. I know Bailey Ober had some sleeper appeal, but he was optioned to AAA by the Twins. Yuri's Familia signed with the A's, yet another name in a bad team's bullpen. Austin Nola took a foul ball off his left hand Saturday, but is slated <laughs> to play on Monday. 
for a second there, I thought that we were getting uh, Luis Campusano as the Padres starting catcher. I was about to get really excited, but a tough week for Austin Nola, though. Seriously, gosh, <laughs> hitting the nose by a pitch comes back to yeah, that's, that's he broke his nose. Yeah. yeah, tough, tough times. It's rough. Yuli Gurriel is expected to make the Marlins opening day roster, but Jose Iglesias is not. That means both Brian De La Cruz and Jesus Sanchez will be there as well. Sounds like Jesus Sanchez. They're planning for him to be a bench bat at the start of the season. That means De La Cruz would likely be starting. Josh, Fleming, I do wonder. If that hints at maybe a little bit of concern with Jazz Chisholm's, uh, it's like a back injury, right? I guess. No, I think it was like arm cramping or something like that. Okay. Yeah. But it, yep. yeah, it's worth mentioning. Jazz is dealing with that. So hopefully he's all right. So uh, wait, Brian De La Cruz, we're back on board with him, right? Uh, I mean, I want to, I want to wait to see the opening day uh, lineup, but it yeah. sounds like he's going to be in there. Yeah. I don't know if I trust him for uh, sure. I would rather see him than Jesus Sanchez. I ah, oh, come on. That Marlins lineup, man, <laughs> still looks real bad. Like they basically yeah. had the opening day roster except for Jazz Chisholm out there today, and it's like these guys really. Chris, this is what we're. I have so much Jorge Soler, so I am. <laughs> I am if, betting on yeah, a bounce back. <laughs> like I, I don't you, know, man. If you didn't catch our early sleeper episodes. It's probably worth mentioning. Brian De La, Brian Cruz, De La Cruz yeah. put up huge numbers in September and for the year last year and spent some time in the minors, but for his time in the majors, had a better expected batting average and expecting slug than uh, than Rafael Devers. Yeah, his, his stack house page is very, very impressive. Yeah. Did basically nothing this spring <laughs> to earn the second look as uh, Marlins starting yeah. left fielder, but, you know. We forget spring pretty quickly if the regular season starts differently. Yeah, they should probably take a flyer on Keston Hira. Josh Fleming will open. That's how dire things are. Hey, I I'd like to see Keston Hira play somewhere. I don't. It's probably not going to work out, but you never know. Josh Fleming will open the season as the Rays' fifth starter. He had a six point four three ERA and a one eight nine WHIP over thirty five innings last season. Michael Lorenzen will start the season on the IL for the Tigers, which means that Joey Wentz will be in their rotation. A high ERA and whip this spring, but 19 strikeouts over 14 and two-thirds, and his velo up across the board. So, just a name. Deep Leagues, Joey Wentz. Let's monitor him. And get ready for Shintaro Fujinami Saturdays, because he'll start once per week on Saturdays to open the season. Just <laughs> That kind of rules him out for head-to-head points leagues, right? As I was saying, well, for the same reasons I was worried about those Angels pitchers. You're probably right, Scott, but how about in a 24-team <laughs> head-to-head points <laughs> dynasty league? Well, that's I've got him there. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I guess it, all the it, twelve teamers. It would make it easy to, you know, look at the schedule and say, "Hey, what are his matchups like?" I don't, I don't actually know. <laughs> Cleveland, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. Yeah, you might be able to use him against Cincinnati. Can he face his uh, own oh, team? Because that's oh, what no, we. Sorry, tried. that's that's wrong. That 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 was that wasn't even that's, right. Well, Angel, that, Tampa Bay, New York Mets, Texas Rangers, Cincinnati. Doesn't sound he'll right. Have, he'll we have some good matchups, but there will be no better matchup than the team he's pitching. For, <laughs> exactly. Week means. four at home against Cincinnati. Fire up Shintaro Fujinami, folks. I am all about it. The guy throws heat. He's got amazing stuff. He has no idea where it's going. So that is uh, that's the scouting report on Shintaro Fujinami. Let's take our second break, and when we get back, we'll talk about fab strategy here on Fantasy Baseball Today. It's only a kick. 
a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get into some fab tips and some of our first waiver wire moves, what we've noticed happening in our leagues. Fab is a type of waiver wire system that is used in fantasy sports and fantasy baseball and fantasy football. You know, basically any type of fantasy sport. It stands for free agent acquisition budget, and it's, in my opinion, the fairest way to run waivers. We'll see if these gentlemen agree. You start off with the with a finite amount of money. Usually it's $100 or $1,000. Then your waiver wire is basically a blind bidding process. If you bid the highest amount when submitting a claim, you win the player. But be careful because if your league plays with no $0 bids, once you run out of money, you won't be able to make any more waiver wire claims for the rest of the season. So keep that in mind. You got to you know uh, be... Uh, on top of that in your in your fab leagues i'll throw it to you guys what are your thoughts on the uh, fab waiver wire system i like it the most i find it exhausting i'm not (laughs) i'm not wild about it it always feels like and and i've been doing this with the fab for i don't know close to 10 years at this point probably basically all my leagues are fab now instead of just straight waiver claims Mm -hmm. and yet in that time and I, I think this is a problem throughout the industry. Like, there seems to be no consensus for what you're supposed to do, like what your bids are <laughs> supposed to look like. It always just feels like I'm throwing some random number out there that I think is going to be good enough to win the player without completely ruining me the rest of the year because I spent too much. And then the results come in like happened with the first run of TGFBI here tonight. I told you I spent 133 on those three players. I didn't think I was going to win all three, but like one of them, Joey Weimer, didn't get a second bid at all. So my $133 (laughs) bid on him, completely unnecessary. Uh, The highest of the three, Elahiris Montero, got like a $91 bid. So still a lot of wasted money there. Um, And maybe it's just because I can see in this particular league what the, the, the second place bid was. And so that makes it feel worse because you're never going to do it perfectly. Right. But it, it's just that uh, you guys were telling me about some of the, the bids in your TGFBI league. Same setup, same level of expertise, theoretically, the people playing. And you guys had guys, you guys had players get bids of 300 plus dollars. Mm-hmm. So 133 seemed fairly tame for the first run of waivers after weeks of buildup, this, this backlog of talent building up on the waiver whites. I thought it was tame. And to win all three, with a big gap between num- me and me and number two for those bids. Um, you know, it's just like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. on the one hand, I'm excited to win them all. On the other hand, I think like just a straight 
waivers run the one time a week and and just whoever's next gets their first pick and then whoever's next gets their first pick of what's left like that that feels fair to me it certainly feels less random to me it certainly feels like you're less likely to shoot yourself in the foot yeah i uh i got adam Adovino in tgfbi for 231 the runner-up bid was 75 uh, someone else, Eric Cross, got David Robertson for three seventy-seven. So, a uh, cool six hundred dollars on the Mets closer options. <laughs> yeah, they went for uh, way less. In the runner-up for David Robertson was one hundred and twelve, so two hundred and sixty-five <laughs> less than what he ended up going for. Right, I also got right. Kerry Carpenter for seventy-eight. Runner-up bid was five. So I overshot <laughs> that one a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's I, I think it's also like. That's a lot more likely to happen in your thousand dollar uh, budget leagues than a hundred because it's more money and it feels like it's easier to to throw out big bids. Um, and I prefer the thousand dollars. It's more money. Why not? Who wouldn't no. who wouldn't want more money? Even though it's the exact same thing, it offers a little bit more flexibility with your dollar bids. But you know, obviously, it's still everybody has the same amount of money. Um, but you know, I do prefer the uh, the thousand dollar budget, and yeah, like like Scott, I, I'm not great at wrapping my mind around valuations for players. There are some people who are much better at that uh, than I am, but I think it's fun. A- anything that makes fantasy more fun, I think is is good. So I'm, well, I think I, that's I, good. I I feel like it was just a case of oh, I'm not good at this. If I felt <laughs> like other people were consistent, but clearly they're not. Clearly, like I'm, I'm just guessing against other people who are guessing, given the huge disparity in bids. Like, like I said, I mean, this is the time of year we drafted. I think the draft started in late February and we're wrapped up by early March. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so, like, this is the point in the year where you're particularly in a 15 team like this, where 450 players are rostered or whatever. Like, the waiver wire is never going to get ro- more robust than this first run. Yeah. So, like, on the one hand, like, I spent almost half my budget already. And on the other hand, it's like, well, that'll keep me from overspending on Owen Miller, <laughs> who at least a dumb hitter has a hot later. Yeah, and I think it's hard for us. Scott, someone's texting you. It wasn't me. I swear it wasn't me this time. That's what I was saying. <laughs> uh, I will, and this isn't an excuse. I just think that's why it's also hard for us to give fab advice. You know, people will email in or tweet at us and say, how much percentage should I put on this player? Every league is so different. Like we just yep. illustrated just between the same format that we're all playing in players going for wildly different prices. David Robertson went for two eleven in my league. And you know, as who said it, Chris, he went for almost what? Three seventy or three eighty in your league. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's hard to give advice on, on how much it, and it comes down to your needs too. If you really need a closer then you probably need to be more aggressive on adding someone like yep. that off the waiver wire. Just and, and, and it makes a big difference too if zero bids are allowed or not. It makes yep. a big difference too if this runs nightly or daily, because if or nightly or weekly, because if it's weekly with no zero dollar dollar bids allowed like this league we're talking about, you gotta be pretty cautious. You gotta you gotta be a little more careful with your dollars because they can eventually run out and you know there's gonna be a bidding war every week. If they run daily and you have zero dollar bids, mm-hmm. Then you could like when when there's a big prospect call up or something, you could throw like half your budget at him because most of the time those nightly bids aren't going to get a lot of action. And when when you run out of dollars, you can still be throwing out zero dollar bids anyway. And it seems like there's three realistic options about how you can play Fab. You could be really aggressive early, 
you will have that player on your roster for a longer period of time. If you hit on someone like last year, for example, Kyle Wright or Spencer Strider, you, you're aggressive on them early, you have them for the entire season. You get to reap all those benefits. Or you could be conservative early, save your money for later in the season when other prospects are being called up. Or you could just kind of play it down the middle and you could say, all right, I'm not bidding more than $100 ever. You know, if you play in a $1,000, just keep everything like 10% or less and just, you know, play it straight down the middle. Chris, how do you find yourself normally uh, playing in these fab leagues? I think you you probably want to be more aggressive early on because it's not just that you get a bigger impact out of it, but you also just, you'll have less competition as the season goes on. Players will, you know, have less incentive to to bid big people will lose interest like naturally so i think generally speaking you can afford to be a lot more aggressive early on in the season especially when it comes to the you know prospects or or you know guys who could potentially make a huge impact um just because by the time july rolls around you're going to be seeing a lot fewer double digit bids in your hundred dollar uh leagues yeah, I'm sh- I bet by the All-Star break, I'll have 75% of my budget spent yeah. in every league, probably. And and that's probably the right idea, because for all the reasons you mentioned already, Chris. Yeah, and last point on Fab, make sure that you set up contingency bids as well. So, you know, multiple waiver claims like you would in a classic waiver wire system. For example, the league that we keep referring to, TGFBI, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, it's run by Justin Mason, who does great work with Fangraphs. Um, I had it where you know Derek Hall was my top bid, and then I had Josh Donaldson as a backup. I had Ellie Harris Montero as a backup. So I knew I wanted a corner infielder, but I had all these different amounts and, and backup bids, and I wound up with Josh Donaldson for $33 out of a $1,000 budget. Backup was 18 so actually... Felt like I played that pretty well. Uh, and then I got Kyle Gibson. <laughs> Fun, Kyle Gibson. 12 bucks with uh, the backup for nine. So, I don't know. Maybe I just got lucky this yeah. time. There's definitely going to be times where I overspend or like wildly underspend and, and just do not uh, time out or uh, feel out the market correctly. But Fab is, uh, it's interesting. I, I think it's, I still, I think it's the fairest way to play. But yeah, it is, it is kind of hard to figure out what amounts to uh, put down at times in those leagues. Some pitchers, real quick. Are, are we talking about waiver targets now? Because we talked about some hitters just in the process of talking about Fab here. Yeah, yeah, you can bring some up. So I'm pretty high on Graham Ashcraft right now, and he was barely drafted. He I, is somebody... I think he opens against the Pirates, too, which, if you're into the it, streaming thing... Even in shallower head-to-head points leagues, there's a very good chance he's available. Well, I say shallower, so there, that makes it more likely. But even in head-to-head points leagues, I should say, we're... Where people's uh, t- tend to go deeper, where people tend to go deeper into the pitching pool, Graham Ashcraft is likely available, and um, like he already had tons of velocity and a great cutter, and now if the sweeping slider he introduced this spring makes him the bat misser, he's been this spring. I think Graham Ashcraft is somebody who is his stock is straight to the moon right now. Uh, also, Josiah Gray, who didn't allow a home run all this whole spring actually introducing a cutter to mm-hmm. his arsenal. Mitch and Cutter Keller. Crawford introduced the Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> but Mitch Keller also added a cutter and like Graham Ashcraft saw a big jump in strikeouts this spring. These guys play for bad teams, which holds them back obviously, but I, I think they're, they're, they're among, you know, we brought it up in, on a recent podcast, how Trevor Rogers and Carlos Rodon a couple years ago, Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Robbie Ray, none of them were of particularly high stature in fantasy, and they all came on very late in spring training with impressive numbers and were among the top waiver claims the first week or two. And they all turned into borderline aces. I mean, Robbie Ray won the Cy Young that year. Yeah. So it's I, I feel like this group is, you know, I, I can't I can't say they're gonna end up with the as those kinds of outcomes, those kind of high end outcomes, but there will be the someone pitchers I'm targeting. There will be a couple of someone's who have that yeah. kind of outcome. It's just predicting who those someone's will be is is very, very difficult. And I think to your point, Scott, with those pitchers that broke out a couple of years ago late in spring, they were all doing something different. Added velocity, new pitch, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing with these guys that you're talking about, too. So uh, I think it makes sense to uh, look at those names. Graham Ashcraft, 25% rostered on CBS right now. Let's wrap up with five emails in five minutes. You guys are... On the clock. This one's from Kyle in Colorado. I am in a Yahoo 12-team head-to-head category league. I give Eloy Jimenez and Brandon Woodruff. I get Mookie Betts and Hunter Brown. So getting the best player in the deal, getting the worst player in the deal. Hmm. I think this is a good deal. Uh, It's a 12-team head-to-head categories league. That's pretty shallow, so I think I'd rather have the better overall player. But it's a close deal. Uh, are we grading it? I'll give it a C plus. I'll give it a C, yeah. C minus. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't uh, do it. One way to think about it is just look at our salary cap values, and those can kind of serve as a stand in at this point in the season for, you know, a trade value. And, you know, it's not a perfect uh, comparison, but I, I would imagine the Mookie Bet side comes out pretty clearly ahead for all of us, would be my guess. Well, it depends. I mean, I, I presume you're looking at head-to-head points, salary cap values, since it's it's a head-to-head categories league. But yeah. it's, it's that level of shallowness, I would guess. All right, this one's from Mike. Hi, Ronald, Juan, and Julio. Three great outfielders. Those are uh, McDonald's characters. Everyone's got their list of breakouts and sleepers they believe in, but obviously not all of them will pan out. How long should we give these players before deciding if we should drop them? Two weeks, a month. At what point do we decide it's time to move on? If you want an answer like this, I would say six weeks gives us a pretty good indication of how things are going to play out. Last year obviously was a little different because April and basically six weeks into the season was so cold. Um, So we had to hold on a little longer. But I don't think it's one of those one-size-fits-all things. I think you have to – I think the key is knowing if dropping this guy now – will leave you like if he's going to get scooped up right away or if you'll have another chance if you drop him right now. That's that's how I tend to play it. Even if I generally believe in the player, unless it's somebody I have a ton of faith in. If it's a fringy roster guy who I generally believe in even if though even though he's off to a slow start, I'll think, "Okay, I have a shot at this other guy on waivers instead though who I know everybody's looking at right now." Would exchanging this guy who I believed in in the first place for that guy leave me without a chance of getting the original guy again? And if the answer is yes, he's probably going to get scooped up right away, then I'll just hold on. But usually the answer is no. I mean, it, it also depends on the person, the player it is, and what they're struggling with. You know, if if Jordan Walker comes out and hits the ball really hard and strikes out 24% of the time and just has a low BABIP and doesn't play well, I'm probably going to give him a while. If you know, Josiah Gray comes out, he's throwing his fastball 50% of the time and it's getting hit. You know, if he's giving up two home runs to start like he was last year, I'll pull the plug pretty quickly. You know, that that's, 
It, it depends on the situation. It depends on what's going wrong with them. We're not doing this quickly. I'm sorry. No, no. We are pacing very terribly at five minutes, uh, five questions in five minutes. This one's from David. Dear Thomas, Roland and Carpenter. I mean, two of them are Cardinals greats. I, I yeah. can't figure out what Thomas is, though. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know. Happy opening week. A few player comp questions. Is Hayden Wisniewski this year's Spencer Strider or this year's Matt Brash? Oh, neither. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, if I have to pick one, Matt Brash. It's much more likely he's this. He's he'll he's Brad, Matt Brash than Spencer Strider. Spencer Strider the, had one of the greatest rookie seasons ever on a perning basis. If we're not doing a rookie to rookie thing, Hayden Wisniewski is this year's Merrill Kelly. Okay. Is Jackson Trio Ronald Acuna or Lewis Brinson? Smart money is on Lewis Brinson. <sighs> so he's he's making a whole thing out of this. Yeah. I mean, why <laughs> why so, are we so going bad. to pick the superstar caliber? Like the odds are he's not going to be a first round pick. We love right Corbin away. Carroll. We're all really excited about Corbin Carroll. I don't think any of us I I think each of us would say Corbin Carroll is more likely to be Lewis Brinson than Ronald Acuna. Ronald Acuna is I mean, not a one, probably a once in a generation prospect for a team, not for, you know, the world. But like if your team generates two Ronald Acuna's in a decade, you're probably winning a World Series. And and so it like just the exercise is making it sound like we don't like Jackson Churio. So that's not the message to take away here. David is giving us a very unfair exercise. (laughs) I think this one might be a little bit more fair. And we'll wrap here. We'll do a three questions in five minutes. Is Taylor (laughs) Ward Jesse Winker on the Reds? Or Jesse Winker on the Mariners. Jesse Winker on the Reds. Yeah, I can say that. I think Chris will probably say Mariners, but I I would say somewhere in the middle. But I know that's not the actual exercise we're doing, so uh, I'll say Mariners if I you know gun to my head. But why would you put a gun to my head over that? Right. I mean, Jesse Winker like an overreaction. (laughs) The stakes aren't that high. Aside from that one year where he was must start, he wasn't must start. And I think we'd all say Taylor Ward's must start right now. So Winker was, he was actually always a good hitter. If you look at his, even before no, I'm, that I'm breakout not, season. Okay, was, I'm, I'm doing fantasy value though. When you factor sure. in the time missed with injuries, the two time seasons. missed with platoons, he was. He 2020 was, and 2021. We'll give him 2021. All right. He missed some time. All right. Well, we're going to wrap there. We're really bad at this. Three questions in six minutes and 12 seconds. (laughs) We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for watching and listening Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.